Welcome to the Mount Hummer podcast. It's episode 51. We're a year old, Al. We're a year old, and what happened? And what happened this week that made our fucking year, the year we've just had, not the year so far, that wouldn't mean very much. Um, we got, <laughs> so in case you haven't been uh, listening in the last couple of weeks, we've been, co- we've been coming up to our one year anniversary, and we had our 50th podcast last week and everything else. We've been having a bit of a whine, haven't we? Yeah, bit of a moan. Yeah, a bit of a moan. Yeah, a bit of a bitch. Yeah. Um, that we weren't getting a cake to commemorate these amazing occasions. And I should say, obviously, we were joking, by the way. We weren't actually expecting anyone to send us an actual fucking birthday cake. But somebody did. I know. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you, Alistair. So, Mel Hammer uh, reader, listener, follower, Alistair, sent us um, a proper full-on birthday cake with icing on and everything. And I it was al- delicious. I almost cried. Yeah. I was so happy. You just came into the office yesterday, and there was a box waiting for us here. And I opened it up, and there's a big old cake inside. Um, so, if you want to take a look at the cake, which is now pretty much all gone, I can confirm... Go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Matt Hammer Readers and thank you again to, for Alistair for uh, making our day, making our we, week, I our month. I think we also need to say that it was beautifully iced with the message, happy podcast birthday you cunts. I know. And I that know. was the bit that really melted my heart uh, when I decided to have a slice of the cake, which was difficult to cut into because it was so beautiful. <laughs> I had a slice with the word cunts on it. It was. It was, it was amazing. I don't think anything sums up the... The morale and the ethics of the Matt Hummer podcast, like a loving gesture ruined by swearing. And it was a heart-shaped cake. It was, it was actually a heart-shaped cake as well. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much, Alistair, and thank you so much to everybody who's uh, listened to and supported the podcast over the last year, and of course has supported Matt Hammer in any way, whether it's buying the magazine, coming to the website, chatting to us on the uh, readers group I just mentioned, coming to the things like the Golden Gods. Um, whatever it is, we really appreciate it. So thank you very much. How lovely. Yeah, it's awesome. And a nice way to start the podcast before we have a rant later about all the other shit that's going on in Matt. I'm not moment. going to rant. I'm happy and full of cake. Good. Well, I'll rant then. Um, on that note, Parkway Drive and Killswitch Engage at Ali Pali. It was awesome. Oh I really, my God. I really needed that. I hadn't been out of the house for like a month um, because I've been ill. As we went to the last podcast, very boring. And I really, really needed to go out and do something. And it was so good. It was like, that was my first gig of the year. And what a gig. Yeah, I had to miss architects, didn't you? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. not great. Um, yeah, I mean, I got there. Did you see a, Did you see Die Art? No, I missed them. Okay. I got I got into Ali Pali for Die Art. And uh, should say, actually, obviously being guestless wankers, we got to kind of cut round and in um, through the, the media entrance. And... Um, I felt bad for people because there was a lot of people still left queuing outside yeah, Alexander massive Palace. Queue, so I don't yeah. know what was going on there because I don't think that happened uh, the last time I was there for a metal gig. Um, but it, I don't know what it was. It was just some issue or what was going on. But it just felt like a lot of people were still stuck outside uh, by the time Killswitch came on. Which And I know there are a lot of people there that were quite rightly very excited about Killswitch as well. So I don't know what happened there. But that all said... Um, yeah, still a decent, decent sized crowd inside for the art, and I got there for the last three or four songs, and uh, I thought they filled that space amazingly well, to be honest. Mm. For a band that heavy, um, it's not an easy ask. I mean, Ali Pali can sometimes have quite difficult acoustics. Yeah. And uh, if, if you're not kind of in London or you haven't been to Ali Alexander Palace, it's like ten thousand capacity, all standing venue, so it's quite a big, um, it's quite a big space. And because they're kind of a bit out to the side where people go and uh, like there's like loads of food food stores and all that kind of stuff in there. You get people kind of coming in and out. It feels up in a bit of a funny way. 
so it's not an easy venue to fill um, sound-wise, and I thought Die Art uh, came across great. People were really into awesome. it. Definitely um, could see there are a few people there that knew them, which is always great to see. Uh, so yeah, a band that's had a few ups and downs over the last few years, so really cool to see them crushing it. But with the best of respect to a very good band, um, you know, Killswitch Engage came on, and that's what I was all about for the next hour. Merlin <laughs> was so excited that after a few songs, he took his hat off. <laughs> that's, that's how I knew he was having the best time to of be, his life. To be fair, I do take my hat off for a lot of gigs, but it, it not normally not to actually headbang with my hair down. That was kind of like, yeah. It was I turned around to sing a lyric, and you were there, <laughs> looking happier than you've looked all year. I was until I got that cake this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, they were great. Jesse's really cool. They just he just came on and. He's a fucking rock star, that guy. Yeah. He doesn't know it. And he probably hates to hear somebody say that about him, to be honest. But. He held that room very easily. As you said, it's a massive venue. It would be very easy to come on stage and just not hold the room. And he really did with what looked like minimal effort. Yeah. And yeah. he just, um, I think, you know, kills anyone that's seen Killswitch, in, especially since Jesse come, has come back, knows what a great live band they've been and there's no disrespect to Howard because Howard at his time has been an immense front man as well but they've just been you know almost unfollowable as a band but they weren't this time but we'll get to that in a minute um, and this is uh, I was about to say it's the biggest venue they've played in London but it's not because they supported Maiden in the O2 didn't they but a bit more of a partisan crowd this time in their favour um, they played London with uh, along with the rest of the Iron Maiden UK tour last year, and um, obviously that's always a bit of a difficult crowd for them. So to see them come back in front of a really massive crowd again, that obviously is much more friendly towards what Killswitch do, was just awesome. And the set list was great. Um, uh, they started with um, uh, Strength of the Mind, which I, and I, I feel like. What did you think of that last Killswitch album? I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as the other ones yeah the other so it, but then because I knew I was going to see them I put it on on the day and then sort of surprised myself by actually there are a lot more moments that I'd remembered and enjoyed than yeah. I thought I had yeah I think I think it's a bit underrated um, Incarnate it's, I think it's got some fantastic songs always it. that's a great song that's off the one before that. oh shit yeah so was, that's off uh, Disarmament Ascent but um, well then, it's uh, it's still got like Hate by Designs on there, Cut Me Loose is on oh, there. Oh, Hate and by Design. That is a song actually that I was not overly fussed by, and then seeing them play it, I, I was really, I thought it held up really well. Again, I was surprised about how that sort of felt more like a favourite. Yeah, I think that's really characterised a lot of what's been so great about Killswitch since Jesse's come back. Obviously, that is one of their newer songs with him, but they just breathe life. Um, no pun intended into these, um, into songs which you didn't think you cared about as much. Because I always think now about Arms of Sorrow, like I think Arms of Sorrow is, an, is a really good Killswitch song, but live when Jesse sings it, it's fucking phenomenal. Um, where, was, where was I going with that point about the last album? Oh yeah, so a lot of people have kind of different opinions about it, I think, but Strength of the Mind is a fucking all-time great Killswitch song, and they start with that, it was great. They went straight into End of Heartache off the back of that. Uh, they played Rose of Sharon, they played um, obviously Last Serenade, um, and, and for the first time I think in the UK, I think, they played Just Barely Breathing, and it was so good I actually teared up a little bit, because it was just, I mean first of all it's one of the, my favourite Killswitch songs, but it just sounded so colossal, like if, if there's ever a song that shows off the kind of absolute 
crushing guttural heaviness that that band are capable of while also showing off the kind of beautiful melodious side as well um it's that track and yeah it was just amazing and i love the fact that even when they're playing to the kind of crowds that they probably want to be you know winning over and putting a, good, a particularly good show in against um the fact that they're willing to just drop these alive or just breathing deep cuts is really really cool and just convincing me uh, all over again that it's the best best set, best album they did what are you looking at you're distracting me Oh, I'm sorry. I was listening to you. Oh, okay. Um, actually, one of my favourite bits was when, probably at the end, when we were all talking about how good it was and you just went, I want to be Jesse when I grow up. <laughs> it's true. He rocks a denim... Uh, cut What do you call it? Yeah, denim cut off yeah. better than most, most men. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a wicked gig. And sorry, I just saw you looking at the set list. That's why I was distracted. But yeah, it was just it was just great, and uh, yeah, they played just barely breathing, and um, it was just uh, it was just so good. And they finished within due time, which is another that's become like another kind of modern Killswitch classic, and everyone was going mental for it, and it was great. And my my night would have happily happily finished there. I could have gone home and been like, I've just been to a wicked metal gig, but there was more. (laughs) There was more. There was so much more. There was good songs. There was good, very good songs. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fire. Lots of fire. And general awesomeness. <laughs> Funny where you're going with that. Yeah. Jesus, let's talk about Parkway, Parkway Drive. Drive. My God. What a band. What and a band. What well, a... it's funny actually because you texted me after the show the next day and you were like, I'm just going to talk on the podcast about how good Kills Such Engage were for the whole time. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to talk about how good Parkway were. Oh, go on then, because I just blabbed a lot about Kill Switch. But, but I have to say, not many bands can follow Kill Switch with Fuck Me, Parkway did. Yeah, they were great, weren't they? Um, I think we all knew a bit of what they would bring, because obviously we had them play the Golden Gods, and we know they're developing their production with the fire. And so we knew it was just going to look massive yeah. anyway. But they've just got so many great songs now as well. Like, I wasn't sure I liked In Reverence as much as I like Aya. But actually, I do. Really? Is, yeah. Because I, I wasn't sure. And then just hearing some of those songs again. I think the songs they play brilliant. live off it are definitely the best, the best choices. Just brilliant. And they threw in some other surprises as well. They had um, a string quartet come out. Oh, I actually forgot about that bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had, uh, yeah, Quartet come out on, like, raised platforms, didn't they? Yeah, which was awesome, like, behind the band. Um, that, I was not expecting that. No, not so. just that to, to hear that live was very cool. Could you ever imagined 10 years ago that Parkway Drive would be doing something like that? No. It was just crazy. And, yeah, there was obviously flames upon flames upon flames. Um, I think the most unique thing I saw, which... Uh, someone might have done, correct me if I'm wrong, but they had Pyro going up around the sound desk. Yeah. In the middle of the crowd, amazing. which is fucking nuts, because you yeah. just, but like, if you go see a band with a big show like that, like, you know, Ramstein Parkway, Maiden, whoever, whenever there's Pyro, you always feel it across your face. Yeah. But then all, all of a sudden, we could just feel it across our backs as well, and we all look around, and there's just these pillars of flames going up all around the sound desk. I don't know what health and safety shit they had to get signed off to make that work, but it was fucking awesome. Um, oh, they got they got escorted to the stage as well. We did this on the wrong order because that's so much. We to are take doing in. the wrong order. But they, when they first came out, they all got escorted to the stage by people um, holding up flaming torches, and they like walk through the crowd, which I think is a Ramsteiny thing it as is, well. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm and right. you know they've talked about how um, 
they're influenced by Ramstein in that way. And there's one of their songs, I can't remember which one now, there's one that really sounds like Kind of Lust at the beginning, you know what mm. I mean? Um, I said in reference before, I should have said reference, like a massive twat. It's fine. Um, I can't remember what song it is that sounds like Kind of Lust, there's the beginning of it, it really reminds me every time it comes on. Um, but yeah, we are all doing this upside down, but it was just, it was quite hard to take in almost because there was so much to look at. Mm. Um, and like I said, I, some of those songs really stood out to me and I could not stop listening to Reverence the next day. Like The Void, Cemetery Bloom, they sounded amazing. Um, an Absolute Power, that just crushed. Yeah, that song is, that's that just so good. Just I makes think, you want to break things. Yeah, I think that and Pray are the two songs that will stay in Parkway set for a long time off that last album because yeah. they're both just absolutely massive. And I think I could not stop seeing the void the next day though. I just got really I was just I actually just listened to that a few times on repeat the next yeah, day. It was, just, awesome. it was just going around my head. And they had stuff like, you know, Idols and Anchors is obviously a classic old the Carrion is a is a, is kind of one of their hallmark songs and though it's what's really cool about Parkway is that unlike a lot of other bands, once they get to a certain level, you can still see that those older songs still mean tons to people and and most of the crowd were still losing their shit at those older tracks so it was really cool to see that their you know their legacy has kind of stayed with them and they've not just kind of shunned off that full-on metalcore identity they had years back people are still uh, th- those songs are still really important to people and it's great but they did it before basically obviously we've talked about the pyro but it was um it was fairly kind of normal in inverted commas most of the way through the set. They just had like a little bit. Yeah, the midsection wasn't too string quartet. Really. But then Winston went out to the back and they had a spotlight just on him and he did the colour of leaving. That was the only bit I wasn't sure about. I, I liked that actually. And oh, okay. the spotlight completely blinded me so I couldn't actually look at him. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we I was like, literally yeah, like, I was Left um, of the stage. But I thought it was cool that he did it because they made a moment out of it because that song is poignant and it is a moment on the album that's just kind of like left at the end it's left like um an ellipses almost it's mm. you know it's kind of tails off and you're just kind of left with this uh, i've been punched in the chest feeling so I, I kind of thought it was good that they made the thing out of it i thought the idea was, was really alone. cool i just felt that um i don't know if ali pali is a well-built venue for something like that because basically unless energy. you're right near him yeah you can't really see where he is and you can't quite make out what's going on so from our point of view, we were kind of fairly near the front, out to the left. And then you suddenly look back and he's like over there doing something and it just all felt like it was quite far away. I think that's like, the thing though. I think if you're in the crowd, it's like quite a nice gesture. It sort of brings oh, totally. a bit of intimacy to it. And but what I mean is if you've got like a, like a kind of seated venue or you've got something that's a bit more circular almost, do you know what I mean? Like I just think it works yeah. a bit better. Whereas because Ali Pali is just a long big, it's just a long box, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wasn't like to me. It felt like it 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 cut the it cut the momentum a little bit, and it yeah. kind of made everyone just go, Ugh, and then it had to kind of pick back up again. I totally get where you're coming from. I I guess I like the thought behind it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but then they went. Him back. turning up with the petrol bomb for Crush was pretty. That's what I was going to say. Wasn't it? They went back on the stage and he threw a Molotov cocktails at the back. Basically, first of all, a logo came down. Yeah. Like yeah. a massive metal partner logo he threw a Molotov cocktail and it exploded at the back of the stage and then I just like blinked and then the whole stage was on fire like a carpet of fire like loads of flames just coming up from the bottom and then shit just went down just fire everywhere shit crushed, went everywhere bottom <laughs> bottom feeder everyone was going crazy I, I would go as far to say that there aren't because um, the crushed and bottom feeder tend to be the songs they put near the end of the set now and I don't know if there's a better two song encore 
in modern metal than Crushed and Bottom Feeder. They're just both so They're, good. Like, Crushed is so heavy. I mean, when people say Parkway Drive on a metal band, and we will get to this, <laughs> you listen to Crushed and tell me what kind of song that is. It's so fucking heavy. Like, But it's heavy, but it, it's heavy in a way that can fill... It, that song can fill a stadium, let alone an arena. Um, and then Bottom Feeder has the best breakdown of the, of the last couple of years probably it's just it's just they're just so great yeah and it just again a similar vibe to Ar- uh, Architects although a slightly different um, story of course there but there's just so much goodwill towards Parkway and yeah. it just I think when you get a band that have just done nothing but steer by their own vision and just stick to their guns and kind of believe in what they're doing um, and then manage to take that into a venue the size and prestige of Alexandra Palace like how can you not think that's brilliant it's so it's just polished brilliant. and slick as well but not to the detriment of the atmosphere yeah, it's just it doesn't, professional. It doesn't feel, yeah it doesn't feel like they're robots or there's no heart in it because mm. there very obviously is in the songs but yeah it's so well executed and so well done and the fact that they didn't even have the drum machine the, the crazy no, spinning drum thing and it didn't, didn't even matter it, no yeah. I didn't either because I, 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 when I saw that I was like that's going to be their thing forever now like, yeah. people are going to come see that and they didn't even have it and it still worked yeah. I think the band went up on pillars at one point as well yeah they did yeah, the it's just so much going on on pillars just yeah just awesome 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 and uh, yeah very very good I'd slightly... watch that over and over again to be honest oh yeah definitely just watch it forever definitely um, and we will get to but we'll get to that uh, <laughs> I also went to uh, uh, on a slightly different vibe I went to see Sawwork and Amorphous co-headlined at the Electric Ballroom I'm really gutted I missed that I know yeah yeah you were saying you were saying I know yeah. you're a big Sawwork fan Merlin well. texted me asking if I was going after Parkway Drive and I was like I feel like someone's throwing me down a well <laughs> that really made me laugh yeah first time not I'd that been someone would do that to you first but. time I'd been out of the house and I was really knackered so I had to skip solo work but I was really, je- I was really jealous he got to go yeah so from a from a, a, a kind of a awe-inspiring fiery arena show to the electric room in Camden which is oh how many people was that 600 something like oh, that oh it's more than that it's not loads though let me google okay, it a few hundred anyway a few hundred but I not, think it's not, more like a thousand really okay yeah. well it's, it's kind of in that kind of um upper low venue size in London um, for two for two absolute veterans of the metal scene two very I don't want to say underrated because I think anyone who knows what they're about appreciates what Soilwork and Amorphous have done for their respective scenes but Soilwork 1,500 yeah. else just showed me yeah that must yeah, include, cool. include people being upset about today, yeah. still though one and a half thousand no, that's pretty cool yeah exactly so um, yeah yeah Soilwork uh, iconic um really important melodic death metal band said a couple of weeks ago I kind of feel like they never really have quite got the same critical um, sway that like In Flames and At The Gates and Dr. and Quincy have got but if you go back to their really early albums like Predator's Portrait and Chain Heart Machines those are all time great albums and they've done tons of great stuff over the years as well we talked about Stabbing the Drama uh, Natural Born Chaos um, Figure Number 5 uh, you know there's loads of good stuff as well and the new album Verleiten, which I know I pronounced wrong because uh, Speed pronounced it at the gig totally differently and I felt like an idiot. Um, It's really good as well, brought in a bit of the kind of cheesy knife-like orchestra vibes into it. Um, That said, while while musically it was tight, it was muscular um, and the song sounded great, uh, they're quite static to watch sort of work, I've got to say. No, because this upset me when you were saying this because I was like, I I wanted to go... And I 
feel like it would have been awesome. I know, but I don't know. That I think they're one of the, the all-time great metal bands, but I, do, I think I must have seen them about six times now, and I think I've seen Speed take about five steps in that whole time. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you have to be like Jason Allen Butler to front a metal band, but... I don't know. I just, I just felt. Put it this way: I'm much less of an amorphous fan, and I thought within about two songs, amorphous were way better. Mm. Um, they were great. Just if you're not heard of, I'm not not really uh, familiar with amorphous. Just really, really important um, Finnish metal band that kind of started off uh, in more extreme realms before becoming one of the greatest uh, folk metal bands going. Um, Silent Waters is my favourite album by them. I think that's a classic. But um, they've kind of got a bit more proggy and. Fluty and synthy as time's gone on as well, um, and yeah, they were just really, really good. Just a really great metal band. People were really into it. Thought it was really good. So yeah, that was that was that was that gig. It's nice to see important veteran metal bands attracting a decent crowd and getting the the respect they deserve. Is what I would say. Two great bands. I'm gonna catch Saul next time. Please do because they're both great bands. Even if you know, didn't want to not be mean to sort like I just find them they're not quite as. You, know, you don't I, feel as much energy. No, I, I can't imagine other times I've seen them, someone going, holy shit, did you see soil work that day at a festival or whatever? They just seem to kind of just do it, you know? But that's just my opinion, man. Mm-hmm. And speaking of opinions... Everyone's got one. Oh, it's been a big, big week for debate in the metal world, hasn't it? For various reasons. Um, Parkway Drive got announced for Bloodstock. Yes. This is a very good thing. Now, when Parkway, we we knew this announcement was coming, but when Winston announced this at the end of their gig um, at Alexandra Palace, I kind of saw myself going, Parkway Drive have been announced for Bloodstock! But the internet's had, uh, <laughs> had something to say about this, hasn't it? The internet's had a cry because... The internet's had a cry. Parkway Drive are playing Bloodstock. And Parkway Drive are not a traditional metal band. No. Therefore, the internet is having a cry about it. So, before we kind of dissect this um, issue, uh, I think it's important to say, first of all, everyone is totally entitled to their opinion. Of course they are. No one thinks you have to like Parkway Drive. No one thinks you have to like Parkway Drive being booked to blood, for Bloodstock. It is totally fair enough if you're legitimately disappointed in that choice of headliner. Especially if, for instance, you saw Sabaton and Scorpions and thought that maybe um, uh, Bloodstock might book something more, I don't want to say heavier, but more extreme, um, as they have done in years gone by. I totally get that. I've seen some very reasonable points about people that have come to Bloodstock for over a decade and they've always kind of expected a certain style of music to be represented. They don't feel like it's represented this year and they felt like Parkway kind of almost dragged it further away from that. And I totally respect that. I think that's fair enough. Debate is always good. And there's nothing wrong with voicing your opinion if you feel like you've got a a point to make. Um, And uh, at no point should we be in the business of trying to censor everybody just because they don't happen to like the bands that we like or whatever. I think that's daft. Would you think that's all fair? fair Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Cool, good. I was just using that as an excuse to get a word in, sorry. Um, (laughs) That said... Fuck me, guys. I think we all need some perspective in our scene at the moment because some of the vitriol and the, the toy throwing and the dummy spitting that I saw on Bloodstock's Facebook page is absolutely ridiculous. And I know that we've run a, a kind of jokey little 
piss takey thing kind of picking out the funniest comments and you know that's a bit of fun it's not designed to you know go into battle against the trials or anything like that we just thought it was a bit of fun and and that was that really but it's really starting to wind me up now to see this kind of this idea that firstly that Parkway won't be great at Bloodstock. Secondly, that Parkway Drive aren't a metal band. I think that's what annoys me the most. It's, it's one thing if you think they don't suit the festival and you think they're not really what Bloodstock's about. And they're not really at the centre of what Bloodstock's about if you look at previous lineups. They're yeah. not. I don't think anyone can deny that. But to suggest that Parkway are anything else other than a metal band is fucking ridiculous. To me, anyway. No, I'd agree. It is. I think... Maybe the problem comes because some people have just heard the name or seen pictures of them and haven't actually listened to them. Or maybe listened to a song and not gone any further. Yeah. Or just can't appreciate that it is a different style of metal. It's still metal. It's just more modern, I guess. It's just... and But the funny thing is, is like, if anything, even though they've done it in a very modern way, where Parkway have evolved over the last two albums is like... It's going more heavy metal than anything. Yeah, actually, that is true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I totally agree with you. Like, leads or whatever, and you know, and some of the melodies they're more traditional than they used to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's just I just don't I don't understand what what people are getting at when they think that Parkway Drive aren't a metal band. I don't get how you could listen to like I said earlier. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't like Parkway Drive, that's totally fine. If you're listening to podcasts and your argument is for some reason that because you saw a photo of Winston in broad shorts from 10 years ago and he's got short hair, you think they're not a metal band, put Crushed on, a song that start, starts with like kind of monk charting yeah, and then goes into like a lyric that says Crushed by, by a fist of God. God with a riff that comes in that's so heavy, like fuck, I mean, if Black Sabbath have had that riff on the last album, people would have been wanking themselves about it. There is no way you can listen to that and then come back out of it and say, this is not a metal band. If you the feel way, like, oh. The way he sings the vocals on that as well. I turned to Merlin at the show because I was very excited because of the snakes. <laughs> and, uh, he was singing about the snakes and the way that he like spits out the lyrics. It's just very cool. Yeah, and it's... And it's it's really metal cool. to sing about snakes and spit out the lyrics about snakes and have a massive fucking riff and then have loads of fire. I know, exactly. And it's just like... I don't I, like oh god and I, and I see people like on the on that Facebook page like somebody was saying stuff like oh you're a bunch of sellouts and you know as if booking Park oh and someone said the 1975 comparison that was it Parkway Drive what's next the 1975 it's yeah. like come on man I mean that's what are you happen, serious because I strongly su- su- suspect that you haven't listened to either of those bands to actually even make that comparison um, the thing is as well I'm you've got just to sick think of about it. you've got to think about who can headline a festival yes uh, not exactly. just in terms of fan base but in terms of what a band will bring to a show and how they're going to make that evening special and Parkway have deliberately upped their game in the production states with things like the pyro and again just to the stage set up and the way they perform in the shows themselves and you have to have a band that can hold a stage like that and can really make the evening feel special and yeah. I don't think you could look at any clips of them and deny that they have the power to do that well and also it's just like the same people who are moaning and pissing about Parkway Drive being booked are the same they're the same people who are kind of demanding we give other bands a try and don't 
and don't recycle the same old headliners. The first time I went to Bloodstock, Wasp headlined. Yeah. Wasp. At the, and this is only, this is in with the last decade. This is 2011, right? So this is eight years ago. Fucking Wasp headline. Now, I think Wasp were one of the greatest and most underrated metal bands ever. But you're out of your mind if you think Wasp can come back and headline Bloodstock in 2019. It ain't going to happen. They are not big enough. It's not going to work. And, and isn't I'm, that a good thing that Bloodstock's grown as well? Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Bloodstock isn't suddenly going to be booking Slipknot anytime soon. Like, that's not on their radar. It's not going to happen. Like, I doubt the, the budget is there in what they can put out for one thing. And the, the, the fucking festival site isn't physically big enough right now to do that. Parkway Drive are a band that have just played to 10,000 people. They have a massive show with them. They, they have a massive show which is all fire and brimstone and, you know smoke and cannons and all sorts of stuff. It's as metal as it gets. I'd love to say that, you know, someone like Dimmu Borgir or legends like Anthrax could step up and, and be headline bands. I know there's people go, why are they playing over those bands? Because they're bigger than those bands. In the UK in 2019, Parkway are bigger than Anthrax and they're bigger than Dimmu Borgir. They're not more important than those bands. They're not historically as uh, massive as those bands. Of course they're not. I don't know if people will be talking about Parkway in the same way in 10 years that people talk about Anthrax now. Quite possibly not, because it's a different world out there now. But they're bigger, and they can bring a show with them that can justify being a headliner at a decent-sized um, outdoor festival. They're probably not big enough to headline Download right now. No. So, what do, so, where, so, what, so how do we build these fit? bands? How yeah. do we get these bands to the level where... As we all keep fucking saying over and over again, once they are made into the Metallicas and blah, 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 as have all retired, how do we get them to that level? Because we can't just suddenly slot them straight in at a festival with 90,000 people. It doesn't work. At the work. end of the day as well, if you don't like Parkway Drive, there's like a billion other bands to watch on that bill. Exactly. The Sophie Lancaster stage. I mean, Watain played that last year. Like, you're going to have something metal in there. This year. I think Rotting Christ were on the Sophie Lancaster stage this year. I don't know who's playing while, um, while Parkway are on. Uh, just looking now. Yeah, on, on the other stage, you're going to have, I don't know who's playing when, but you know, Rotten Christ are on that stage, Grand Magus are on that stage, probably I mean, the most metal band yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, Elevator are on that stage as well. Um, and even beyond that, you've got like Power Wolf, Dimmu, Children of Bottom, Cradle of Filth, D. Snyder. I'll tell you who knows the thing about metal, D. fucking Snyder, and he's playing this year. Uh, Hypocrisy are there, Dyer's Murder are there, Soulfly are there. Like, that's actually making it's, me really want to go now. You're making me really excited. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great lineup, and you know you've got Code Orange there as well, which is a slightly left field choice. That's quite exciting, um, and I just think you know people whined when Machine Head played, they smashed it. People whined when Lamb of God played, they were great. People whined inexplicably when Hatebreed played and they crushed it. People whined when Skin Dread played and they absolutely destroyed it. So Parkway Drive are not going to have a problem. And again, no one's saying you have to like Parkway Drive. You have to run around playing with yourself because you're so happy that they've been booked. Of course not, of course not. You, you what every, did you just say? Like, I don't know, I'm getting excited. But, <laughs> Let's just all chill out. But um, you can just, you know, no one has to, you don't have to like anything and you don't have to feel celebratory that um, Parkway are playing and you're totally within your rights to feel disappointed that they're playing and, and I would agree with you that they are not at the core of what Bloodstock is about and if you feel a bit let down on that, um, that's fair enough and I don't think I don't think people should be attacked for feeling that way at all. I think but if so. you're kind of screaming blue murder at the internet and, 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 and acting like kind of you personally have been offended because a festival was booked a big modern metal band to headline their metal festival, then I just think, you know, think go outside. Win, uh, I think they're going to win people over though, because again, you know, not to bring up Ramstein loads of times, but 
people used to go and see their show when they started out because they heard that it was something special because they heard about the pyro. Yeah. And so, you know, if you've heard about this with Parkway Drive, if you're at the festival anyway and you go and watch it, I think they're going to win people over. Yeah, It's going to be something to see, you know. No one's going to come back going, that was shit. Do you know what I mean? And to me, the difference with... Um, the diff- well, I mean, people can say it was shit, but I think there's a big difference between not liking someone's music and watching what Parkway Drive do and saying they're a bad live band. Yeah, like, you, to me, you that's where justify, I, wouldn't yeah, you? I draw the line with opinions on that because it's like, well, you know, what more do you want? And also, the other thing is, when you look at the other kind of controversial, quote-unquote, controversial headliners they've booked, they put like Lamb of God, they put Trivium, they put Machine Head. These are all brilliant, important, vital modern metal bands, but... If we're being honest, I would say most of those bands have kind of gone past their initial hype factors, for want of a better word, when Bloodstock booked them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like Trivium, everyone was like, they're going to head on down one day. Kind of became clear that probably wasn't going to happen. Maybe it could happen again because they put out a blinding album um, recently. But at that point, it wasn't going to happen. But then they kind of came, came into Bloodstock instead. And that was a really cool, different way of doing it. Kind of feel the same way about Machine Head and maybe Lamb of God as well. Parkway uh, have done nothing but get bigger and bigger and bigger and better and better and better as they've gone along. And this is a festival capitalising on that in the best way possible and giving them a chance to prove themselves. And I just think yeah, it should be um, applauded. I think they will, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them headline download in the future. I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. Um, and oddly, this wasn't. This was only the second big debate that got sparked in the metal world this this week as well. I'm because, worried for your heart here, Merlin. Well, I've got to be honest. The bring me thing I got because I, I you know, it, I think it's a bit different. But Parkway, I was a bit like, come on. But yeah, so bring me got a number one album. Uh, Ammo. Ammo, which we said we both liked. I think. Yes, yeah, I like it. We both enjoy it. Um, whether it's a metal album or even a rock album is up for debate. I guess the conversation is. Is Bring Me the Horizon getting a number one album with this album specifically a good thing for rock? Or does it not make a fucking blind bit difference? I don't know, like I'm not I don't know if I care. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, because I just think it's a good record. Lots of people are talking about it, lots of people are gonna hear it and lots of people are gonna enjoy it. And if people are gonna hear it and enjoy it, why does it matter? I don't, I don't feel like it's a betrayal. I just feel like it's a band doing what they're doing and evolving. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it's like... Like I said, I don't feel like it's sort of some betrayal of some sacred values that I hold dear or something like that. I just think it's a good record and you can enjoy it and you can take it or leave it. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you feel differently? Do you feel like it is sort of a turning their back on something do you feel like it's sort of a betrayal of a scene no i was kind of going into it more i wasn't even looking at it from the point of view of whether it's a betrayal of the of the scene the two options i was thinking of is this going to be a good thing for rock music or is it not going to make a difference like have they gone too far out of like has their sound evolved too far beyond rock music and have they kind of attempted to <coughs> excuse me attempted to catch on to that mainstream attention too much now for it to make a difference. You know, if they got, put it this way, if they got to a number one with There Is A Hell or Sempaternal, yeah. I think you would feel very differently about it. But I guess, you know, I, I, I sent a tweet basically saying, Parkway Drive are doing Ali Pally, Arctic just on Wembley, Bring Me You've Got a Number One Album, <laughs> and people say Rock Is Dead, kind of like a bit of a flipping. Yeah, and people and a lot of people tweeting back going, oh, Bring Me doesn't rock. count, it's yeah. not doing anything. 
Um, so it's not really anger at them turning their back. I don't know. I think we've talked in the past about how we are living in a world now where it's less about genre and more about just stuff you like. Mm. And I think if you like that record, you like that record. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to cause any uplift within the rock scene as a whole because it is moving away from that and it is more mainstream. But, you know, on the other hand, people might go back, check out the old stuff, that kind of thing. But the thing that we were talking about as well is I listen to that record and I don't like it as much as That's the Spirit of Some Sinner, but I do like it. And I wish that there was something else similar that I could listen to because I was enjoying it, but I'd kind of rinsed it. I was like, I've played it too many times and it's annoying me now. I want to listen to something else, <laughs> something else like it. And there isn't anything else like it. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, there's, they, they have kind of just made their own path and there aren't really any bands like it. So it's not, in this, it's not the kind of thing where one band slash album gets loads of acclaim and then everyone's like, oh yeah, it's part of this other scene and here's five bands that sound like them. It's not like, I'm not saying new metal is exactly like that because obviously, um, you know, there's an argument about whether certain bands should have been called new metal, but you could kind of make the argument that there were some other bands doing heavy things. You could kind of put them in the same group, but I don't know who you'd put them in a group with now. And I think that's shown in the, you know, reflected in the fact that they're doing all kind of different events this summer. It's not like they're headlining download, they're going and playing all different places. And mm. I don't know, it's, it's a weird one. It is weird, isn't it? Do you think it's possible for a young band, and with the greatest respect, I'm not including Event Sevenfold and Slipknot in this, I'm kind of talking bands that have started to get big post 2010, let's say. Do you think it's possible for a young, young modern metal band or at least really heavy properly heavy rock band to get to the number one without quite drastically evolving their sound i don't know i mean that's it's a big question isn't it really yeah um i don't know you never know kind of what's going to catch you know maybe some band would come out and they'd have a song that would just catch uh, the, the songs i really love actually on um Arlo, you know, we've talked about Nihilist Blues, that's a cool song, but Mantra and Wonderful Life I love, and they're much closer to the Bring Me the Horizon that we know, they're much closer to metal, they're much closer to that mm-hmm. heavy kind of sound. Um, if, it, it, yeah, like I said, it'd be different if there was kind of an album of those songs and it got to number one, you'd go, oh, you know, maybe there'd be some kind of resurgence of mm-hmm. something, or it would pave the way for other bands, but it's not, it's much more of a mixed record than that. As I think, um, and yeah, it, it, this is what you said really, like people's listening habits are changing and I think, you know, a lot of younger music fans listen to playlists rather than albums now. I exactly. ge- don't want to generalise too much because, you know, the fact that an album's got to number one shows that's not always the case. Yeah. But, um, you know, people love to mix it up and I think Bring Me have put an album together which will appeal to a lot of stuff. I talked, I think I've talked about it before about how it's quite common in like hip hop and R&B and pop music for artists to put out like 19 track albums yeah. where they've got so many different styles represented that what they're actually doing is creating songs that will get put on different playlists on Spotify and yeah. that's how people will listen to them. I think Bring Me, even though it's not a long album, it's a proper, you know, a succinct piece of work. There's a lot of different styles going on there and I think you could take different elements and put them onto different things. Well, they've always been really, really work for them. They've always been really zeitgeisty. Yeah, when totally. they came out. Well, they know, kind of set the zeitgeist in a lot of ways, don't they? Yeah, when they came out and it was the deathcore thing, you know, that was sort of the cutting edge of metal at the time, or what was very, very popular. And they're just on the trends every time, like not only in 
music, but in Ollie's clothing label as well, and in their own merch. And I think I sent you a screenshot of them. They had a necklace they'd done for Armo that was padlock, and padlock necklaces are really big at the moment. And like Miley yeah. Cyrus is on Twitter wearing a padlock necklace, and I'm like, I hate myself because I want one. <laughs> but you know, they're just on trend every time. They just know what is going to sell. Yeah, so there is yeah. obviously, you know, it's their record and it's a creative artistic thing but they also know exactly what is going to oh yeah they've got their marketing right down now. to an absolute um, T and they know exactly what is going to hit and what is going to take off and exactly how to time everything yeah. so if you're talking about bands coming in and getting number ones you have, I think you have to have that quality as well yeah well they know their audience and they that, know what their audience it. wants that's exactly and guess it. who else knows who their audience wants Iron Maiden guess who else does Slipknot yeah they're, they're not just throwing shit at wall and shit at the wall and seeing what exactly. steps like they know exactly what's gonna uh, work so, yeah I mean I do think it's possible that something goes to number one that's heavy but I think I think it has to be meticulously thought out like that and hmm. it has to be sort of timed with a moment or a, a thing and it's difficult to see where that would come from right now with people's listening habits and with the way that rock and metal is against the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, there's two kind of strands to this argument. On one side, I feel like I do. I know we're biased, but I do feel like metal as a community is different. I think we are super protective of our scene, and I, I actually, despite what we just talked about, I mean that in a good way. I yeah. think you know we want our scene. We don't want our scene to be dictated by mainstream terms. We don't want our scene to have to pander to everybody else we want to cultivate our own bands and we want our own identity um the other side of that is that you know music's changing and the way people consume it is changing and when you look at this um announcement that's just happened for all, all points east festival which bring me a headline in they've now added uh, so all points east is a festival uh, that's happening across like six days in victoria park in london and you know one day they've got chemical Brothers headlining one day they've got christine and the queen's headlining I think Bonnie was headlining one day and Bring Me, Bring Me the Rise were headlining the other day. And initially, when we saw the other bands announced, it was like uh, Yanaka and um, Run the Jewels and uh, Idols. And so it was kind of like, a, okay, that's where they position themselves now. Then, you know, they didn't see themselves as wanting to be at festivals with our bands on. But now, today, they've just added architects while she seems employed to surf. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got one of the most diverse lineups of the summer. Yeah, it looks great. It's, I really want to go. I, I'm really excited yeah. about it. Scar Lord's on it as well. He's yeah, obviously yeah, been yeah. kind of uh, yeah, young artist people again. are excited about. Um, and, you know, again, it's trailblazing. It's trailblazing to have lineups put together like this. It might not seem it because people who have been to Reading over the years know that it's not a brand new thing to have. Oh, look, hip hop and metal on the same bill. Wow. But, you know, to be doing it on a stage that big and with the mainstream's eyes on you. I don't know if it means more people will get into metal, but I definitely think it's going to mix it up more. You know, they've got an album at number one in the charts at the moment with Danny Filth on it. Yeah. You know, they brought, they're they bringing like the Fever out on tour and they brought Beartooth out on tour. Like they're doing stuff. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's just mental. Yeah. No one's really doing what they're doing at the moment. And I'm whether all, it's going I'm to help all, us or not, I don't all know. in on it. I'm totally a fan. Yeah, I, I, I'm well into it. Um, but I'm with you, I don't know if, whether it will... Whether in 10 years' time we're looking back and going, look how I might break the scene down for everybody, I don't know. Who knows? It's really hard to we'll tell. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. If Architects only put an album out with, like, dubstep on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Danny Filth comes back. Yeah, <laughs> just hire Danny Filth for your number one album. That was what did it. Well, he went around a supermarket with them, so we'd have to do something different for Architects. have to go, like, DIY store or <laughs> swimming, get, swimming pool. Just bring Danny Filth in to do really, like... 
boring activities yeah. <laughs> for your video. Either chores or watch. maybe just a low-level leisure activity. Definitely. Yeah. I would see Shagrath just taking the bins out on someone's next... Someone's That's next, quite metal. <laughs> someone's next video. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? It's a fascinating scene out there. So, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. I think, like, uh, we've talked a lot about moaning. And, obviously, again, you know, you can see where people are coming from with their opinions and stuff. But also, isn't it just cool that there's stuff happening... Like, isn't it just whatever you think, there are things happening. Yeah. Like, that's There's stuff cool going thing. on. But that sounds pretty vapid, but you know what I mean? Like, people, <laughs> people like are making... Kardashian, which Kardashian was, it was like, I think this is going to be the year where we, like, learn stuff, <laughs> something like that. Exactly, yeah. People are making music and playing events and collaborating with, with each other and getting together and making decisions and doing new things and that's positive yeah and if you I think beyond anything else if you like heavy music whether you consider Bring Me The Horizon to be heavy music or you only consider Gorgoroth and Balai to be heavy music this summer or this year you've got so much stuff to choose from just in the UK alone yeah, it's huge. you don't know what Bloodstock's doing save it until later in the year and do Damnation um, we just got Radar Festival announced as well yeah Radar Festival's just been announced that's got some great bands on it um, you can go see Bring Me and Architects and you know employed to serve are a heavy fucking band and they're playing the same band as Run, to, Run The Jewels if you fancy mixing it up a bit you can go see Download you have Slayer uh, playing their final UK show they've got Tool back they've got fucking Slipknot headline in the main stage you can go to Art Tangent you can go to 2000 Trees they have heavy bands there you can go to Tech Fest you know it's just and that's only in the UK you can go abroad as well if you fancy it it's just ridiculous yeah it's, it's so exciting and it's so cool to have and I think we're very lucky to to have the choice because uh, as you will often read in Mount Hammer a lot of countries and people don't have those opportunities to, yeah. to go and do stuff so let's all just be mates and respect each other's music <laughs> opinion shall we um, should we take some of your questions out let's do it go on then alright Elliot Lever asks your favourite album title is now your life motto what is it Rain in Blood I'd play Rain and Blood. <laughs> because who wouldn't want to Rain and Blood? Exactly. Um, I also thought Behemoth, I Loved You at Your Darkest is quite cool. Oh, very nice. Because, you know, loyalty. <laughs> yeah, Loving sure. people even when they're fucked sure. up. And I also quite like the idea of picking, I can never pronounce the band name, so I'm sorry. Um, how do you pronounce them? Ethel Duath? Ethel? Ethel Duath. Oh, yeah. I know, I know who you're talking about. Because they made an album called Through My Dog's Eyes. Which was just all about really? Yeah, all about <laughs> from a dog's point of view. That's awesome. Um, and I always just quite like that album as a novelty and I, I kinda like the idea that, you know, your motto would be through my dog's eyes and you would just try and live like the things your dog sees. That's which I couldn't do because I don't have a dog, but you could do that. I could do it. Shout out Ozzy and Hector. Um, yeah, I got a dog called Ozzy, what about it? Uh, Matt Grimster, fucking what a name asks in light of the Parkway Drive announcement don't get us going again Matt are there any other bands you think could or should headline the festival but would likely cause outrage among some fans Mm. so bands that might kick up a bit of a stir that might cause a bit of a Mm. Architects would be in that category, wouldn't they? Oh wow! I mean, that would be. I feel like that would be even more of a sideways leap than Parkway. That would be very cool, but it would be, um, you know, because they just did um, Wembley Arena, so it's not out of the. Well, yeah. Question for the future, is it? I guess that means they're bigger in the UK than Park. Ooh, I don't know. Who knows? Doesn't really matter, does it? But yeah. I'd like to see uh, Devon Townsend do it. Cause I think oh, fuck yeah. He's sub headline before. I don't think it'd be particularly controversial, but then at the same time, he's had so many different eras, and it would depend kind of True. what sort of a set 
he would bring. Yeah. Um, probably not a casualties of corn. No, probably <laughs> not. I've got um, corn. Oh, that would be amazing. Because I think imagine? I think a lot of people on the face of it I'd be would so go happy. Oh, corn because you know again they're not like a traditional heavy metal band at all. They're but such a great band. I also think you know corn play in the UK pretty much every year, right? I think Corn doing Bloodstock would feel different and it would feel exciting in a kind of new way because it would be a headline set and it would be a slightly different environment. And also, I think most people that like metal have got time for Corn. Maybe oh, that's a generalisation. I think maybe more people than they realise probably have time for Corn. Like they get out there and they start jamming out those classics. Like, uh, I can't like, really see that being anything other than an absolute success at a metal festival. Yeah. You know? I want to see that so badly. Can you just make that happen? Well, You've got the name of a wizard. I don't know this. I haven't specifically asked the Bloodstock guys about this that I can remember, but um, I I reckon if they thought the opportunity was there to book corn and it, the start was on the line, I reckon Bloodstock would go for that. Yeah, would be so matter. cool. I've also written down, and it's only controversial because it depends what state he's in when he turns up, but Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Do you think he's too big, though? I don't think he's too big. No, I, I think he's... Like his profile is higher than ninety yeah. percent of bands that play Bloodstock, but in terms of an not, actual draw, yeah. I don't think he's too big. Yeah. Personally, like I don't think he's big. I don't think he would draw many more tickets than like Slayer or someone like that who's played before. And yeah. But yeah, maybe I don't know. But um, yeah, if he was turned up, if he turned up and he was on it, I think that could be quite interesting. I would love that. You're just building a festival for me, so. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't actually written that down, but I just thought, what like a what could what complete elf yeah. <laughs> Would you put Nine Inch Nails a bloodstock? That's probably too left field. I don't know, and that's a funny one as well. They're super credible, but Nine Inch Nails have said in the past that they don't want to do like super super metal bills, but then they kind of have still done metal bills. So I don't yeah. know, I don't know where they fit in, into things. Mm. But yeah, mm. corn's definitely my number one out of all of those. I think that would be. Great, and I think they're just the right size as well. Yeah. Come on for Bloodstock 2020. Yeah. Elliot Holt asks, what bands have you personally struggled with getting into but have eventually done something to change your mind? Um, I've done this before. Oh, sorry, he said something, didn't he? What was his choice? He said, I really struggle with Mastodon until Emperor of Sand. Okay. I was going to say, I've done this already. A perfect circle, wasn't a fan, got into the mon, hit the elephant, and yeah. I was shaking her head in disgust at my very reasonable answer. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it. Alright, fine. I love all their old albums. I just don't get why they right. now. You're the expert, fine. What's your choice then? Uh, probably just pick Iron Maiden. Yes! Come I've on. never really been fussed on them, I'm but then you've talked about them a lot, very enthusiastically, and... I went to one of their shows with you and I listened to some of the songs more and I was like, yeah, okay, they're not my favourite band in the world, but I actually can see now why they're yeah. so passionate. So, yeah. The greatest band of all time is always a solid answer <laughs> for anything. Uh, Brendan Crabb asks, can the Dirt movie possibly do the book proper justice? Some of the stories seem like they'd be far too X-rated to be included. I don't know if it's really X-rated. For me, it's more a question of you know, we're in a bit of a different climate now. And I think some of the stuff that goes on in that book is, I, I don't know, dubious? I don't, I don't know what the yeah, best I can I don't is, know, it's a funny one, isn't it? We've talked about it before post-Me Too, how 
it will be received. But I have never read the book. I've just read a lot about the incidents in the book. I've only read the heroine diaries. Right. So I should really get on that. Yeah, it's interesting. We will yeah. see, though. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I first read it when I was, like, 13 or 14, and you kind of think, oh, my God, awesome, they're just shagging loads of groupies, and, like, it's chaos, and it's madness, this is great. Slightly different. I well, I haven't read it since then, so... I'll try and read the book before I see the film, actually, to see if I've got a slightly different take on it. Yeah. Interesting. Michael Jolly asks, do you think this latest wave of metalcore bands will be able to influence as many new bands as, say, Black Sabbath? Or will metalcore be the end of metal as we know it? So I actually asked him on the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash metalhammerreaders, if you want to get involved, um, what I kind of meant by metalcore bands. And he kind of says, architects, while she sleeps, maybe even bring me the horizon. Oh, okay, right. So sort of just like the newer wave of... We say newer wave bands all been around for like more than a decade, but that kind of class of bands. Yeah, the twenty first mm. century class of metal bands. I yeah, mean, firstly, I mean, no one's influenced as many bands as Black Sabbath because Black Sabbath influenced everyone, technically speaking. So. But I mean, I would always bring up Linkin Park as the band where a lot of bands now would say that they were influenced by Linkin Park. Totally. And I could definitely see other bands being influenced by Architects, Bring Me, etc. Because they've got that kind of appeal where they've got enough melody that you can get into them if you've never heard heavy music before and they're playing the kind of venues where or festivals where you might end up seeing them on the bills and getting into them and wanting to pick up an instrument so I think so yeah I agree and if you doubt that Linkin Park uh, influenced the metal scene in any way you've got uh, the editor and deputy editor of Metal Hammer right here who uh, they helped move along back in the day so the proof's right there people next week I'm on a top secret mission now are you? Yes. Where are you going? I'm going to Paris. Ah! It's not that top secret because I'm going to talk about it a bit next week. Paris. But, uh, yeah, I'm off in Paris doing something very exciting that I will talk about uh, this time next week. In That's the you meantime, and Steve that have both been to Paris. I know. I'm, I'm ill and left out. I know. Steve Hill uh, also went to Paris for something that you'll be able to read about in the next issue of Metal Hammer as it happens, actually. Uh, it's not connected. Um, but yeah, that's going to be fun. In the meantime, please do buy the latest issue of Metal Hammer magazine. We're celebrating 50 years of metal. Ah! It's one of the biggest projects we've put together. It's absolutely monumental. And it comes with three Metallica beer mats and a giant iron rain poster as well. It's more metal than a beer mat. Five decades of the best music ever and beer mats. Yeah, and a poster. It's really good. And uh, as we said last week, the 50 years of metal thing is something we're going to be looking into through this whole year. Because metal's turning 50, that's amazing and brilliant. And we want to celebrate it. We should celebrate all music. Please continue to spread love and understanding <laughs> and a mutual understanding of respect. You're like Mr. Burns after the chemical spill. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to give you love. I uh, bring you love. Yeah, stop arguing you on the internet, everybody. Let's just all try and enjoy all the great stuff we've got coming up this year, shall we? Um, we will see you next week, everyone. Uh, feel free to keep on sending us cake as well. Yeah, but I would love it so much. Shut I would up, never Alistair. say no to cake. Alistair, Alistair. the cake lord. The cake lord, Alistair. <laughs> thank you very much to that man and thank you to everyone. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.